Hey, if you have your Bibles, grab them. You can go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12. So this is our last week in our series. You can see behind me being the church. Most of you have been here for it. Um, a little recap as, as we've gone through the series is that we, we really wanted to unpack a little bit of what it means. And, and by a little bit, I really do mean a little bit. We could only go so intense unless we wanted to make this thing like a 60-week series. Um, but we decided to tone it down to, trim it down to six. And uh, we started with worshipers. We said being the church means that we are worshipers first and foremost of Jesus Christ. Like the church can't consist of people who aren't authentic and genuine uh, people that worship Jesus as their savior and have a legitimate thing that has happened inside of their heart that we call regeneration. Um, and then secondly, we learned that we are learners. So because of this regeneration in our hearts, and we are people that take very seriously this, this, this command by God to know more about God and, and to have a heart that wants to learn and grow in our knowledge of, of him. And, and we do that so that we can lead others into that same uh, kind of, of knowledge of, of Christ and everything he is and everything that he continues to do and work in us and through us on our behalf. And then we, we learned in week three that Man, this thing we do here by gathering and scattering, it, it means something, right? None of us are, are, are meant to be Christians in isolation or as my pastor used to say back in the day, Lone Ranger Christians, to use a really current analogy from the 1950s, you know, um, but we're meant to gather together collectively as the church and then scatter together into our communities um, to take this knowledge and this wisdom and this love for Christ that keeps getting poured into our hearts. And then we learn that we also, we have some rhythm and structure. So we just don't, you know, just kind of absentmindedly show up, even though it might look like that sometimes, um, especially when you hear the preacher every week. But, but we actually have a particular kind of rhythm and structure that we're trying to fall in line with that tells the story of the gospel. Like we don't want to just do things to do things, but everything we do, we want it to constantly be telling us something about who Jesus is and, and drawing us closer into his storyline and, and plan that he laid out in scripture for our lives. So we, we try to put together rhythms and structures that, that lead us into that. And then in week five, last week, we talked about being the church means serving one another. There's over 59 one another's in the New Testament. And we talked a little bit about what it means to not just be a church that just shows up, but actually invests into the lives of our brothers and sisters. Um, man, this, this household of God that we are all a part of, man, it, it, it requires us to care more for the needs of others than we even do our own needs, which we're still instructed to care about and which we care about by default. And then so today we're just going to wrap it up. Um, talking about what it means for us as the church to be a missional church, a missional church. So I, man, I was, uh, this, these last two days, I was in Oklahoma City. I was, I was preaching at a, a conference for small towns. So it was, a, it was a small conference. It was about 100 uh, small town pastors, pastors' wives, ministry leaders that are all pastoring churches, um, you know, similar similar to ours, not quite as awesome, um, if I'm being honest, but similar, I'm kidding, to ours. And um, so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm hopping on a plane, I'm flying to Oklahoma City, I'm dropping in, and then I, uh, and then I had to drive 45 minutes, I don't know, west or something to get to this town called, called Shawnee, um, Shawnee, Oklahoma. 
And so, um, you know, I was just talking to, I was talking to the person that's, you know, putting on the conference before, you know, I had to do my first talk and, um, and I said, you know, tell me about Shawnee. And he goes, well, the thing is you're saying the name wrong. And I went, well, okay. I said, what, what is the, what's, I thought, I thought I was in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And he said, no, it's Shawnee. And I went, I said, right. I said, I said, Shawnee. And he goes, he goes, that's where you're wrong. He goes, it's Shawnee. I said, I think we're saying the same thing. And he said, but we're not. And I said, this is how it's going to be, huh? So this is how it's going to be. And um, so he says, it's Shawnee, like think knee, knee, think Shawnee. And I'm like, well, I'm a little thick. I got you, Shawnee. And he goes, that's it. So I get up there and I said, you guys, it's so great to be here in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And I just botched it up immediately. Um, but what I was trying to tell you, besides just a ridiculously pointless, dumb story about me being in Shawnee, Oklahoma, is the fact that going into some place of which I didn't know anybody and I didn't have any relational capital or any relationships that had been built up over the years means that there were some language barriers there. I didn't even know what to call the town I was in. That's how, that's how bad it is. And so when we talk about right off the top, when we talk about this idea that Christians are missionaries, that we're, that we're attempting to be and live out God's call in our lives to be missionaries in the place that we've been in. It, it just even from the very beginning, I want to get your mind in this place that allows you to understand that, man, the best way for us to do this is through relationship. So when God calls us to be missional, which is to be a missionary in the place that God has put you, one of the things that it leads us to is understanding that, man, God has put you in this place for a reason. Like you guys are all here in Ashland or in some of the outer lying uh, regions or counties or areas for a particular reason. And, you're, and the reason why is because you are supposed to learn the language of the place you're in so that you can be an ambassador on mission for Jesus and speak a language that the people that you're growing in relationship with can understand. Does that make sense? So right off the top, we just want to start understanding about, well, man, what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be a missional church? Ronnie, I thought you said that we were a gospel-centered church. You keep saying all these different things that we are as the church. Well, that's true. But being a gospel-centered church means that we are simultaneously a missional church. So follow me on this. If it's true that the gospel is the good news that Jesus saves sinners and we are sinners who've been saved by Jesus, then it follows that the mission of saved sinners is to spread the good news that Jesus saves sinners. This is what makes all Christians missionaries, man. So I, you know, if you grew up in the church, maybe your experience was similar to mine. Missionaries were this sort of strange breed of people who lived in a foreign country and kind of, you know, they, they, they dressed like the tour guides from Jurassic Park. You know, they'd, they'd show up about once a year. They would, they would visit our church. They would, they would give us a slideshow and they would tell us what they were doing. And then maybe we would send a team with them to visit with them for uh, a few weeks and sort of help them sort of, you know, move the needle forward on the work that they were already doing. And so growing up, when I thought of the word missionary, I thought of those people that we saw very infrequently that were living in another country doing the work of the Lord 
over there, but I never really thought of that same work being applied over here in the place that God had put me, in the neighborhood that I was living that God had placed me in. And, and by the way, that's not to knock those, that, that overseas mission work, right? I mean, that's a good and worthy work, right? But it's limiting. And it's limiting in the way that it's limiting if I only understand it as being that they're the missionaries and, and I'm the guy here that just supports the missionaries out there, right? It's limiting because to be on mission can't only exist for those moments when a mission team travels overseas to you know, do building projects for communities that are in need, again, which is a great and a, and a worthy and a necessary thing. But Jesus teaches us that being on mission is about being missional, which is more of a mindset than a particular method. See, because we believe that we are all missionaries because that's what the Bible teaches. Being a missional church means we engage in evangelism as a lifestyle. It means we engage in evangelism as a lifestyle. It is seeing yourself, it is me seeing myself as an ambassador of Jesus everywhere that God sends me. Man, this includes your home because you got a family. It includes your backyard because you have neighbors. It includes your front porch because you have friends. It includes your workspace and your school and your playground and your hiking trails and your sidewalk and your coffee shop and your restaurant and your local park and your community swimming pool and your gas stations and your stoplights and your fast food chains and your bakeries and your grocery stores and your social media. The list goes on. There is no place that a Christian doesn't exist that they are not a missionary on mission for God and called to live missionally to reflect that message of the good news of Jesus Christ. God is ascending God. That's what we know about God. That's the pattern we see of God all through scripture. God sent his people that's our first point for today. God sent his people. Genesis 12, 1. I'm just going to give you a few examples. The first one is in Genesis 12, 1, the story of Abraham. Before he was even named Abraham, it was like me being Ronnie before you all started calling me Big R. This is kind of similar. It's not similar at all. But in Genesis 12, 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. God was sending Abram. And then he says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. God is ascending God. He sends his people. Abraham was his people. It was his boy. He sent him out to start a work. Exodus 3, let's turn one book over to Exodus chapter 3. Picking up in verse 9. This is the Israelites who were being held in oppression and slavery in the land of Egypt. And God says, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. He's talking to Moses and he said, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, 
out of Egypt. So in the same way that Moses was sent to bring about the nation through whom God would bless all people, Moses was sent to lead God's people out from the oppressive slavery of Pharaoh and Egypt. So what we see, even in just these two examples, is this example of God, this, this um, pattern of God that he sends his people out with his message of salvation and freedom. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 6. You just want to keep moving on to the right. Isaiah 6. Isaiah was this Old Testament prophet. He was getting ready to proclaim judgment on his own people. And you get down to verse 8 after Isaiah had seen this vision of the Lord God that just ruined him. And he said, I've seen God. I'm a ruined man because you can't see God and live. That's the holiness and the otherness of God is such that to see him means that you can't face him in your humanness. And you get down to verse eight and he said, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Isaiah speaking, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. He was sending Isaiah to speak to a people that were not even going to receive his words. And so the pattern that we see from God at the very beginning in the Old Testament is that God sent his people. God sends his people to preach a message of freedom from slavery, he sends his people to preach a, a message of judgment. The point is that God sends his people. God also sent his son. That's part of the sending, um, the, the, the sending attributes of God. Let's turn to John 3.16. Maybe you don't need to turn there because you feel like I watch football. I see that banner hanging from the, from the stadium every time I watch the game. I'm gonna see it today. Turn to John 3.16. And we get one of the most famous passages in all of scripture because it says, for God so loved the world that he gave or he sent his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So he had Moses, he had Isaiah. God also had his own son, Jesus, the ultimate missionary, God the Father, he sent Jesus. And not only sending Jesus, but when we turn to John 14, 25 through 26, Jesus said, I'm, when I go, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. I'm sending another missionary into your heart so that you can live out the mission that I'm sending you out on to make my name known because you all need help. So God sends his people. God sends his son. And then I'm going to have you turn to Luke, go back a book. Luke chapter 9, you guys are going to be hungry after this because we're, we're, we're doing it. We see that God sends his church. And we see it in little pockets here. When he called the 12 together, this was Jesus' disciples and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. 
And it goes on with instructions on how they were supposed to do that. So Jesus sends his disciples to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. And then we turn back all the way back to Matthew 28 where we get to the Great Commission. This famous passage that Jesus leaves with his disciples before he ascends to heaven and leaves them to the mission that he started. Matthew 28. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, he says. There's the big word. He said, go. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So God sends his people. He sends his son And he sends his church to make disciples, to baptize believers, to teach the words of Jesus. That's just not for the dudes on the payroll like me. That's for all of us. That command was for for everybody. God is ascending God. Well, that's great. How, How do we then become that sending people? How do we, Ronnie, how do we become a church that's on mission? How do we be, how do we embody this this idea of being a missional? People. Well, the first thing is by understanding that God doesn't call everyone into a global mission context. And I'm going to talk about that kind of off and on through the rest of our time together because I, I want us to get, I, I want us to, this, this view that we have and when I say the word missionary that you automatically are thinking of, you know, our cruise in Uganda. We don't have any cruise in Uganda. I was using that as a general example. But automatically thinking that it's those people over there doing that work. We, we want to dispel that because although God does call people into a global context, he calls everybody us into this context, right? That's the second part of it. We, first part of it is we need to understand not everybody, not, God doesn't call everybody into a global context, but we also need to believe that he calls all of us to be a light for him right here in beautiful Ashland or Wellington or West Salem or Lexington or Mansfield or whatever area in particular that you live and you are a part of this church. And so it's in this spirit that we want to be a church that pursues the people in our town with the growing understanding, listen, that missional living is not a church program, but it's a church culture. It's not a church program. It's a church culture. Listen to what Tim Keller said about this. He has this great, great quote. He says, many churches are discovering that the entire church can be based on a philosophy of evangelistic networking. All right, we'll we'll get into more of how we do some of that in a minute. It is a complete retooling of the entire church's ministry, giving every part what he calls an outward face, making virtually every ministry activity, listen to this, a friendship evangelism event. This means everything, worship, small groups, education, whatever we do in the life of the church, we see as a missional opportunity. We see it as this moment that God has given us to reflect the name of Jesus Christ. How do we do this? What are some of the ways that we do this at Substance Church? Well, just to start at a baseline level, um, well, we gather here together on Sundays. What's one of the things that we do after um, our service, but we, we hold our community feast, right? It's, it's really meant to be this moment where we come together 
because it's hard to get to know everybody like when we're sitting in these chairs next to each other, staring up here. So what we do is we break that down. We hold a community feast after every Sunday service as part of our Sunday service so that we can start engaging relationally and cultivating friendships with one another. Then we bring that into the middle of the week. That's why we have community groups. That's why we're always talking about getting involved in a community group because it is a missional moment for us. It's a way that we connect, we grow together before we scatter back out into the larger communities that we, that we live and that we work and that we operate in. We also do other things as, as a missional church that values relationships and friendships. We did, we did our summer night series at Foundation Plaza, right? So when we set up in that new park that they built, uh, that they, uh, that they built a few months back, and we just, we held some, some worship services. We invited everybody in the community in. We had people coming in that were just walking down the street and heard all the racket we were making and wanted to grab a hot dog. So this is one of the ways that we said, hey, we're not asking you just to come to us. We're going to you. We want to create a space that's easier for you to come into. So that, that was just one of the things that we did as a, as a missional event for us. We're doing Fall Fest in two weeks. That's another way of, of us saying, hey, let us be a part of everything you got going on downtown here. Now, we want to be a part of that. We're, we're, we're part of this downtown growth and revitalization. So come on in. We got candy. Man, we can do candy. We can do costumes. We can do hot dogs. I mean, man, we know how to do that stuff. We like those things. I like candy, Right? Like my Christianity makes me like candy more, right? Because I know who the author of sugar is, man. And I'm happy about that, right? So when I'm eating those, you know, when I'm eating this pack of, of Skittles that I already ate before I got here in the morning, I mean, when I'm eating those Skittles, man, I, I know who actually made those Skittles. Pumped about that, right? So come out to Fall Fest. We do this event around Christmas time called Christmas in Ashland. Man, we've done it different every single year. We're, we're talking about how we want to do it this year. But again, uh, we, we like to invite people in and we like to go out. We like to prepare gifts. We like to buy gifts. We like to connect with families. We like people to know that we care about them and that, man, this is just the first step in a relationship that we want to cultivate, right? Man, we love partnering with local businesses and organizations. You know, Scott was just uh, meeting with uh, the owners of South Street Grill. Man, it is so sweet that they're set up next to us, right? That's awesome. Man, that we get to kind of share the same, the same building. We're going to get to partner with them in South Street uh, for, for Fall Fest. So that's something that we can come together on. They can see the light of Christ come shining out of us in the way that we do our events, right? With them, Right? Not just saying, hey, we'll let you come in. It's like, no, can we do this together? So this is a way that we're on mission with the people that God has placed us with that are surrounding us and working with us. We also plant churches. You know, a few years back, we planted a church in Worcester that has since gone on to, to be independent. But we also plant churches with a network that we're with um, called Harbor Network. Um, we also plant churches with the denomination we're with, the Evangelical Free Church of America. We don't talk enough about it. Um, and that's on me. I need to talk more about that. But these are church planting movements where there are other churches being planted in all these different vicinities, some that are near to us, some that are far away from us. So all of these things are, these are, these are mission. These, this is part of us being a missional church on mission, looking outward, finding ways that we can be sent out. And there's a bunch of unique ways that we are being sent out, right? 
So that's how we become a church on mission. We, we look down on those things and we say, Lord, here's some things that we, we do. What, what can we do creatively? What can we do prayerfully to, to continue creating a culture that draws us out from just looking inward and being like just the best navel gazers in Ashland and looking out and seeing, man, what, what we can do. Right? That's why Tammy Van Hove uh, leads a team that we call our Mercy Ministry. And they meet once a month and they just, they just throw ideas on the table. What are some things that we can do that allows us to not just be a church that just tucks in and gets all tight with each other, but doesn't care about the community? What are some ways that we can live missionally? So that's, that's how we become a church on, on mission. How do we become a person though? On mission, how do we how do we narrow this down into becoming a person on mission? I got a couple of things that I'm going to run us through. The first thing is this. Gosh, I really want some of these now. I wish I wouldn't have eaten them all. We become missionally minded. So to become a person on mission, so that we're a church on mission, means that we want to first off become missionally minded, and we want to do that by asking these questions. What criteria should I use to decide where to live? Do you guys realize that? Like, like, like deciding where to live is not only about trying to get the best bang for your buck for you know, investing in a new house or a new property, right? It's to stand back and go, hold on, as an ambassador, as a mission, I need to look very specifically at where I'm living because that has implications for the kind of missionary that God has called me to be in my neighborhood context. So it's important that when we make those decisions, we're not just, again, looking at it financially. We're looking at it missionally. You want to ask the question of, man, how should I approach where I work? It matters where you work, right? It, because you're going to be engaging with people with whom you work with. And those are the people that God has placed in your life of which you are a missionary to, right? You want to ask questions like, man, what standard of living should I expect as a pioneer missionary. In other words, is it better for me to move to a certain place in a certain part of town in a particular kind of residence because that will make, that will help me become a better person that lives on mission for Jesus? Is it better to maybe take a little, I'm, I'm saying crazy things right now. Is it better to take a little bit less money? Is, is it better for me to lower my lifestyle a little bit so that as somebody who wants to live missionally, I have a little more money to be generous in how I reach out to the people around me, to my community. I know, man, everybody's just checking out. Nobody wants to hear this stuff. Just stay with me here for a minute, all right? These are the questions that we ask. Maybe never, nobody's ever told you you should be asking those questions. Maybe when it's time to move or to relocate, the only thing you think is, am I getting a better house? Am I going to be able to make more on my investment? Period. But we have a different story here from scripture. We ask questions like, what should I spend my time doing? Is my time just my own time? Is that it? Hey man, I've put in my, I put in my eight hours, went to church, community group, my time is my time. The scripture says that our time is the Lord's time. We need to ask the question, what opportunities should I be looking for? In other words, every time I walk out the door and I, and I think and I ponder what it is that I'm stepping into, I need to have the mindset that says, hey, what, who are the people that I'm going to be engaging with? Who am I stepping into 
what am I stepping into right now? Because again, I don't just be, I'm not able to just sort of turn off um, who I am, which is a missionary on mission. What should my prayers be like, right? Do we pray about these things? We're going to talk about that in a minute. But a missionary adopts a mindset that motivates his and her decisions. So we want to, we want to cultivate a missional mindset. We also want to lead, secondly, a, a missional lifestyle. We want to build relationships. We don't want to be people that haven't explored a friendship that God puts in front of us, right, and just ignores it. Right? But we want to be very intentional in how we see people coming into our lives to the best of our ability. Say, hey, I wonder why this is happening. I wonder what the Lord is creating for me right now in terms of building a, a relationship with somebody. We want to lead a missional lifestyle that leads us into opportunities of, of sharing the gospel, which is sharing our story. Sharing our story of faith. And then being able to introduce people to this community. To open up our our lives and our opportunities so that they become opportunities for them. So how, how do I do that even practically, Ronnie? Because this is all sounding a little confusing and complex. Well, here's just a few, few ways for us. Number one is we just, we just want to open our heart to other people. These are going to be very simple. They're going to be very difficult, but very simple. Open your heart to people. What does that look like practically? It looks like hanging out. When you open your heart to somebody, you say, hey, come on in, or let me go to you, or let's meet in the middle. But it looks like hanging out together. We do that a lot around here. So it means opening your heart. It also means opening your eyes. And God gives us so many open doors. But if our mindset isn't one of a missional mindset that we're cultivating, we're not seeing all these opportunities and all these little pockets of our existence being potential open doors. God is always opening doors. Constantly, daily. Thirdly, we, we open our hands. Yeah, we make investments into people's lives. It's costly. Not always financially costly. It's costly with time, with resources, with our gifting. But we, we make that investment. Why? Because Jesus is making that investment in us. He's growing us in these ways so that we can be of a benefit to other people. And we open our mouths. That's self-explanatory, Right? Some of you are really good at that part. Only Scott got what I was saying on that one. And then thirdly, we share our gospel stories, all right? Everyone who has been saved has a gospel story. And I would argue it's compelling. Your story is compelling. Yes, some of your stories are going to sound like, you know, an episode of Breaking Bad or The Sopranos, right? Some of you guys have those stories, these these dramatic Damascus Road, Paul-like conversions where it's unbelievable, like the darkness that God brought you from and into the light. Those are amazing stories. But most of our stories are going to just be moments where God either slowly or suddenly drew our hearts to Jesus, man. Man, maybe you were just this self-righteous church kid who was this despicable goody two-shoes, Right? Until you realize that being raised in the church or even saying you believed in Jesus is not the same as loving Jesus and following him. Maybe that was you. That's kind of my story. Maybe you were someone who was just resistant to the gospel for years. You were, you were kind of around it. You were in the, the, the culture of it, but you were just resistant to it. But one day God put you around some 
messy but legit Christians who loved you and God used that to transform you. And you all have a story that is waiting to be told. You all have a story that somebody needs to be the beneficiary of, right? Or maybe, maybe if you go all in with Jesus today, you will finally have that story to tell. So let me finish on this. Evangelism and talking about being a missionary and talking about missional living, this is really difficult, right? Because if we're not careful, all of a sudden we start feeling weighed down. We start feeling burdened. We start, we're all saying right now, I am not the missionary that I should be. So can we all, seriously, everybody just raise your hand right now. I need to see, literally, if I don't see your hand, I'm just going to wait until your hand goes up. We're, we're, none of us are the missionaries that we need to be. Paul the apostle wasn't the missionary he needed to be. Why? Because he wasn't, he wasn't perfect. Because God was even working in his life, this amazing evangelist. Billy Graham was not the evangelist he could have been. So all of us are kind of starting at this from the place that we're sinners saved by grace and we need God to work out that affection that we have for him and let it be affection that goes out to others because of that affection we have for him. For some of us, man, we have a, a particular kind of personality that that just flows more simply out of. Some of us, man, we're just kind of close. We're kind of held in a little bit. We're way more close to the vest. It's going to be way more difficult. This is where missional living comes in, right? Because God can use you where you are with the people he's put you in and he will grow you in that, Right? Man, evangelism in my day, I kind of hinted at this in the beginning, but it was seen as this thing where we just, you know, as, as a kid that grew up in the church, what we did was we, we would, you know, we'd parachute into a, into a beach or like a movie theater and we'd harass people who were just, those poor people, they were just trying to get a suntan or like go, go see a movie with their date, right? Now, there's nothing wrong with those kinds of evangelism methods, but they're methods, and they seem marginally effective when we consider really the younger generation, today's generation, if we're being honest. Because what we would say is that what they miss is an opportunity to form relationships. Sometimes God works through a person just sharing the gospel. And bam! Just like that, he uses that particular moment to transform their heart right on the spot. God uses all kinds of means, all kinds of methods for bringing people from death to life. But a missional lifestyle sees all of life as a mission field with relationships, listen, as the means in which gospel proclamation and transformation happen. A missional lifestyle takes the words of Jesus seriously when he said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. More than anything, it's cultivating a growing love and affection for Christ. So if, if you're feeling burdened by anything I've said, Let's step back into that, which is, are we, are we cultivating a growing love and affection for Christ? Because without that, all of it is just going to be something that we think we're working out because we're supposed to. Because a love and affection for Christ, what will accompany that is a burning desire to see others transformed by his love. So we need to have two things. We need to have two ways that our hearts need to be continually shaped for a missional lifestyle to be life-giving instead of this legalistic thing that we feel like drawn to or we feel just sort of dropped down into. I don't want you to feel that way. But we need to have a patient urgency. 
Pray for a patient urgency. You cultivate relationships with people out of, out of a genuine love for them. You desire to see them come to know Jesus, so you're, man, you're patient with them. Your strategy isn't simply for them to get the gospel so that you can check your evangelism box and move on. You care about them as people made in the image of God. You realize you have no power to bring them from death to life. You have no power to save them. You have no power. So you're patient with the work that God might do through you. You understand that it's urgent though, which is why your lifestyle with people who don't know Jesus is one that reflects the Jesus you know. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I planted Apollos, another preacher, watered, but God gave the growth. So we, we, had, the, we, had, different, we had different places, we had different roles and how we lived out this missional lifestyle. So then he says this, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are, are the same, they're one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. So here's what I wanna say is we have no idea what God will do, but we wait with hopeful anticipation and patience. But it's urgent, it's a patient urgency. And then lastly, we want to have a prayerful urgency. So we want to be patient because God does the work and God has his own pace. But we also want to be prayerful. We want to have a prayerful urgency. This is the big one. If you Listen to this. If you pray for missional opportunities, God will bring them to you. You know where it says in the Bible, if you pray and you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, what he didn't mean was that car that you want necessarily. What he did mean was that when we pray for this kind of fruit, God answers our prayers. Every time I start praying for missional opportunities, it is phenomenal the things that he drops right in front of me. The doors that open to conversations. The people that I've just sort of known and now all of a sudden they're asking me to grab a cup of coffee, you know. I mean, all these people that I would, I would, I'm all tentative because I don't want to thump them over the head with the Bible. And they're saying, so tell me about this gospel thing, Ronnie. I got hours, you know, it's like, it's like stuff like that. Like just because I'm, I'm just saying, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared. But will you provide missional opportunities? If you pray for courage, God will give you courage. If you pray for increased knowledge, God will grow you in his word. I know how many of you are afraid you don't have all the knowledge you need or the right answers to hard questions? Here's something to remember, something Melissa and I talked about this morning. People, I need you to really hear me. People are not argued into the kingdom of God. Nobody's ever been argued into the kingdom of God. So your, your role is not to debate because people have never been argued in the kingdom of God. In a prayerful life, that reflects the character of Jesus, that is the greatest missional testimony you can have. Because you don't have all the answers and I don't have all the answers either. And it's okay to say I don't have all the answers. The goal isn't to have all the answers, nor will you ever have all the answers. What's most effective is being willing to engage others where they're at, to let them see Jesus in you, who cares for them and loves them ferociously. First Peter two, beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Listen, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as an evildoer, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Your testimony 
who you are as a son, as a daughter of Jesus, who you are being shaped and changed into. And people see that. Who you are as somebody who is quick to repent and say, I shouldn't have said that. You know, I was gossiping about that person. I shouldn't have done that. Can you forgive me? Or man, I was really angry. I was really worked up when I was talking to you. And that's, man, that is not representative of the character of Christ. Can you, can you forgive me for that? Or when you've been sinned against, you go, you know what? I, I forgive you. We're good. I get it. And things happen. People say things. I forgive you. I want you to see Jesus in the way that we engage. And then finally, when you need help, Jesus said in John 14 that the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So we have in our hearts as saved people everything we need to be a missional church, to live and reflect the name of Jesus in all the areas and all the spaces that God has put us in. This is what is going to keep us a vibrant and healthy church. Not just a church that's all about what we can do, what we can enjoy, what we can build, but it's the message that we are called to spread to whoever God puts in our path. So be prayerfully urgent, be patiently urgent. And let's be a church that is not looking only to our own needs, but to the needs of others. Because Jesus is constantly looking to our needs. Jesus is constantly taking care of your needs. Jesus is constantly, affectionately, lovingly, compassionately moving toward you. When you move towards someone, you aren't alone. You have the Jesus that has already moved toward you and with you towards others on mission to make his name great and to relieve people of the burden of the sin that they carry around with them. We can do that. Let's do that with grace, patience, and mercy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being ascending God. Thank you for sending Christ to us so that we can go to others with this message. Lord, just give us courage. I feel scared even preaching a message like this. I'm fearful thinking about all the ways um, that I want to grow in this, but haven't grown in this. And Lord, we don't want to have a burden laid on us that moves us into spaces that feels like you're an angry God that's just tapping your toe, waiting for us to get out the door and do your work as much as we want to be motivated by the mission of Jesus who came and sacrificed for us, who loved us. Lord, let that be our motivation. And let us remember that you're patient with us, even though these are urgent times. Let us remember that you're prayerful of us in these urgent times so that we can offer that same grace and mercy to others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.